Welcome to Beyond the Shop Floor podcast. My name is Ange. I am your host and your original retail career girl. I'm here to unlock the secret universe of fashion and beauty career success on the shop floor and beyond. With a global net worth of US $24 trillion, the retail industry is a thriving one. I am a fashion career retailer and recruitment expert who champions professionals to wave their retail and fashion career flag proudly. Join us as we drop a new podcast talking all things career and interviewing some of the most prominent, inspiring and epic retail and fashion guests in Australia. Tune in. Welcome back to the On The Shop Floor podcast. Today, I am joined by the amazing Catherine Martin. Kath is currently the general manager at By Charlotte, uh, the amazing Australian um, jewellery brand that is based in Sydney. And Kath joins us today to talk a little bit more about her career trajectory. She has such an interesting background, an early career foundation in photography. She's owned her own multi-brand boutique. She has run a sales agency and worked with some of the biggest names in um, contemporary designer and luxury fashion. She has worked all over the world and she has experienced some amazing highs. And of course, like all amazing retail leaders, she has navigated some of those lows as well. So join us as we talk to Kath a little bit more about some of the insightful lessons she has learned during her super impressive career um, within luxury retail. Welcome, Kath. So I guess we could start off by talking about your career because you have worked in high-end retail and wholesale for your whole career. So tell us, is this the career that you envisioned for yourself? Um, it is not, but I did have some pretty heady um, visions when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's not, but it actually um, in some ways it is because I really enjoy what I do now and it, and it does sort of tick all the aspects that I'm interested in Um and, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes because I'm also a very big, curious people person and, and yeah. retail is the greatest, um, I guess, it's the greatest training ground to learn and understand different kinds of people. Um, yeah. Basically when I, so I actually studied photography and had a really keen interest in photography and cinematography and, you know, back in those heady days was thinking my trajectory was going to be down that path. But yeah. what happened was, was whilst I was studying, I started to work part-time in a retail store and mm -hmm. as it happened, I was in Melbourne at the time, I was really lucky and I um, got a job in this um, great um, very forward-thinking boutique, which back in the day was called Fat, which was a bit of a legendary, <gasps> legendary, yes, okay. yeah. legendary business in, in Melbourne. But at that time, it was just one store, um, small boutique, you know, independent boutique, Australian designers, but it's very kind of, um, I would say, up, up and coming and quite, quite um, independent makers and things like that. And yeah. so that business was run by four women who were two sets of best friends who were just wonderful and had a huge impact on me in terms of my my career trajectory and oh. basically working there just you know working um on the floor I met fabulous people um one of which Matt who I'm, who I'm still friends with today you know sort of taught me everything I know in retail and yeah. I, I didn't have retail experience before 
but just working through them and as as it happened when I joined that business their business was growing a lot yeah so um and because it was a small business and and the ladies you know were there day to day I really got exposed to the the runnings of a small business and all the bits and pieces that come with it and as the business grew so I really got an insight and an appetite for the I guess the entrepreneurial side there um and it was so exciting and fun because it was quite dynamic in that they really, they were really, you know, clever and onto it, and had a great eye. So it was things as things were unfurling or kind of making an impact in the scene or the world. They would have it, and it would be it was sort of one step ahead of the curve. That's cool. So just yeah, it was a really great starting point, which kind of yeah. planted the seed. Um, yeah, and that kind of led to what did I do after that? Well, so then I finished uni and I was out in the world, and then um, you know some stuff happened, life stuff happened and I, I'm from Brazil and I went back to Brazil um, with my mum and my sister to sort of really spend some time because I'd left there when I was quite young and I didn't really, yeah. um, didn't have a sense of the place other than kind of memories and obviously cultural things day to day, family, but not sort of on the ground kind of experience. So, so I spent three months in Brazil um, and really connected back with there. And then I had my, you know, bit of fashion experience from working um, at the store. And I decided that what I wanted to do when I got back was to open um, or try and open. And at that time, I will say in Melbourne, uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago, Ed. Um, <laughs> it was that kind of thinking. And, and I, I guess I got that a little bit from the, from the girls who I worked with because they were like, can do yeah, Don't do it. Here we are doing it. It was really Make it happen. Yeah, that hesitation of like, well, how's that going to work? And how, you just really had the thought and went for it, which I, I really appreciate that. Um, I think it's different. You know, different now as you get on a little bit. <laughs> but I, I wish I had a bit more of that. It was great at the time. Um, so long story short, when I came back, I was really inspired to open a business of my own, mm. and so started really small. But what I ended up doing was um, uh, basically opening. Uh, a boutique and then later a showroom but uh, yes few years but initially just a really tiny even by appointment even boutique <laughs> retail space which was um a, selling brazilian designers in 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 the australian market and so that was great because um you know i had sort of mirrored that experience of or i, I had an understanding of the a to z but i wasn't the yeah. one running you know, obviously running business for the girls that I work for so this was this was the hands-on A to Z and mm-hmm. um, it out as I went and you know really just having like having a thought and doing it which was yeah yeah and I was very lucky that I had really like um support from my mum who just thought that was a great idea and was go 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 um, yeah <laughs> she never <laughs> very optimistic lady so she never sort of went and you're qualified how to run this business. How's that going to work? She's just all, yep, go, 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 um, which Good I do. You. And then I had, like, lots of friends who worked, in, who worked in fashion as well who, you know, all of a sudden a space came up and then, like, someone to work in the store. And even my, um, my friend Katrina, who was my business partner, so who came on as well and she sort of covered off a lot of the more the PR and communication side and I did the sort of operational side and the buying side, but we worked mm. together. So it all kind of fell into place and was quite organic. Um, yeah, if I zoom out a bit and I stop to think about now at any moment, it was probably, it would have been overwhelming and quite precarious yeah. to go, well, what's going to happen next? You know, if we want to do that, that requires more money or like the sales to be this. And, you know, obviously you're, you know, we were very much living on 
one week in, one week out kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can do when you're like, you know, young and no commitments. Absolutely. And then, um, yeah, that was, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. But um, no. So then it turned into, of course, like retail was was my thing. And I really appreciated the the full experience of what that meant to me because it meant yeah. that I, I met all these creative people. Um, you know, you learn so many skills and you learn those uh, such a wide set of skills that you take can take and carry forward to anything and apply it in any scenario, in any industry, et cetera. I just feel I really was quite, I guess, um, aware of how many how rich that experience was and for me it really hit a note so I kept that's awesome (laughs) I feel like everyone's like that like they fall into retail and then they fall in love and usually they've been inspired by someone really influential who you know you're just like oh that's that person's so aspirational and I if I could emulate even a little bit of the success I would be so happy so I love that. Absolutely. Okay. So obviously we've heard a little bit about your early career as an entrepreneur. Um, how did you land on that business model? Obviously you went back to Brazil for three months. Mm. Were you just really inspired by the fashion that you saw there or yeah? Yes. I was particularly inspired by a designer called Alexander Herkovich, who is, is still doing a little bit of stuff now, but not in the same way that he was then, which was sort of had his own atelier and the brand was really, um, growing a lot and um yeah I I was really interested in him and then as discovering more about him and his work his peers and kind Mm. of the you know design handle was there and I felt that it was a really um a really good new but uh, like had some resonance and would have some resonance in Melbourne Mm. and Mm -hmm. so started that way just sort of approaching him and um saying hi (laughs) (laughs) but here in Brazil and um, have this idea and you know we'd start really small and of course at that time at that time um, well certainly for his business you know someone coming from Australia was really far out so that was a new territory they they were very happy to you know try it out and in good yeah you know just meeting and so that was really cool so so I I sort of got all the the designers that I wanted to on my wish list yeah um, and just started small and then and then and then added some more um, designers from Australia. And as the business got bigger, that we moved from a retail space that was um, basically moved from a tiny, tiny one to a bigger one to then like like a a, a, a bigger one again. And yeah. so with each move, had the opportunity to sort of add kind of yeah. um, some more designers to the mix, and so expanded to have so Brazilian the Brazilian designers but then some domestic and then some international as well so sort of cool. in the more contemporary designer yeah category I would call it yeah. which we didn't really have a name for back then I think um. no I know now it's like contemporary designer and yeah. you know luxury designer and Australian designer absolutely so okay because this is one of the things we were talking about is that you know our listeners usually have retail backgrounds they're exploring their careers they aren't always sure what that can lead to um, and you've worked quite extensively in wholesale how do you even go about creating relationships with the brands that you stopped like yeah, like you obviously alluded to the fact you just reached out to them out of the blue. Like, is that what yeah. you did for all of them? Yeah, I mean, um, I would have to credit my colleague Katrina, who was mm-hmm. in communications um, and had uh, a bit more of a strategic approach, if you like. But basically, it boils down to 
um, you know, doing a lot of research and only approaching people who we knew there would be some some resonance with what we were offering. Um, so to, trying to be really mm-hmm. targeted and really considerate of that and, um, yeah, making, um, making sure that, yeah, the alignment was right. And then really just like, and also back mm. in the day, there was no social media or things like that. You really had email, phone and in real life kind of situation. Um, yeah. so it was, and, and I think at that time as well, because for the showroom side of things, um, we, we were selling Australian designers abroad. And at that mm. moment, the Australian designer was a hook. So if we were from Australia and it was, and, and for the most part, um, well, I think almost, across the board the product was made in Australia and there was there was definitely an interest level there because of Australian designer had a certain um Mm. and also made in Australia and for many reasons it was sort of the first hook I think yes Um, but it was really like email reach out send the lookbook follow up hop on yeah if there was if there was someone in the orbit with an introduction um who could facilitate that then great and then if you um, what we found is that if you then were able to secure a stockist, that would open the gate sort of for for the like many more or even just help position what kind of brand that was. If you're approaching someone else and you could share the stockist list of this brand, it sort of helped paint a picture to then sort of open the doors for, for yeah, nice. others. And, yeah. It, and it's, yeah, just about follow-up, being also taking the product and being in the market um, to sort of take the product to to the stores rather than, you know, try to minimise um, too much distance, if you like, like really try mm-hmm. to be there and, and make that process as, um, yeah. as, yeah, as smooth as possible and just as, as dynamic as we could. So yeah. um, for the show, you know, there was a time there where, where we would take the collection to New York, um, London, Paris. D- didn't wow. necessarily all the time those all those markets, but definitely to New York and just be just consistency and be there. Um, you know, so when someone has that slot and can make that appointment, you're right there and you can yeah. Love that. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, it just sounds like the dream. I know it's a lot of hard work, but it does sound like the dream, right? I know everyone wants to be a fashion buyer and they think it's all travel and very glamorous. I know it's a lot of work, but um, yeah, that sounds beautiful. And so obviously you're sort of like all things, everything has cycles and you ended up transitioning out of entrepreneurship. How was that period for you? Because I know that would have been a huge transition going from entrepreneurship back into employment. Tell us a little bit about that. Like what kind of takeaways came from that? That was, I mean, that was, um, I think, quite organic in that, um, well, a couple of things happened. So e-commerce happened or starting. Yes. (laughs) Which changed the game quite a bit. We were still very much small, small boutique you know, business. And yeah. so the next level to to keep going forward would have required quite a bit of investment, which, you know, we mm. didn't have an, and probably wouldn't have secured because it was um, a boutique business and, and mm. a niche kind of business. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so, so made a decision to sort of, you know, close the business effectively and move into something else, like go mm. and separate ways um yeah not separate ways in terms of friendship but just no. <laughs> career-wise and so um for me I really you know had this kind of knowledge base but also did feel um that I would benefit from more knowledge and different kinds of structures as well because mm-hmm. I had then just worked in quite 
um, small business setting. And yeah. so I really wanted to get a little bit more of a broader view. Also had my eye on overseas and had sort of, you know, itchy feet to sort of go and live some abroad if I could. And so I, um, for me, it was it was hard because, you know, you're used to doing the A to Z and you're the master of your own time, although that does come with kind of responsibilities and solving yes. and and. and uh, also commitment and responsibility to the staff. So we had a small staff and mm. um, just making sure that, you know, the show was on the road and everything was running smoothly. Mm. So, yeah, two sides of the coin. But I think I jumped straight in to, um, to a role which was completely different for me, which was in, in luxury, working for yeah. Armani. So I think that complete different frame really helped. And it was, yeah. it was so new. And so much more learning to do. You know, I had a baseline there, but like just tons more to learn. Yeah. Um, different kinds of, um, I think also in terms of the the folks that I worked with, you know, different kinds of um, experience levels there as well. And some who mm-hmm. had worked in the industry for a long time, some who were a bit um, newer like me. But yeah, just learned a lot and really broadened, I think broadened my horizons so much that I knew that there was so much more to go. So yeah. for me, I found it, yeah, I, I was spurred on by that and just and just going, wow, there's so much more, um, different kind of company structures as well because for, for Armani say, of course, there's like the different tiers of business and, I mean, mm. that's like, you know, longstanding business so there's a lot going on and just, mm. just how it was all operating also in a local to global sense, that was the first yeah. kind of exposure I had to that and I got quite curious about that as well. Yeah, and then you actually ended up having quite an extensive career in luxury, right? So you moved to Brazil. I did not think Brazil, yeah. <laughs> you moved to Brazil. Everyone's like, wow. Um, and yep. you ended up working for the new Maison for Louis Vuitton. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty epic. That was a wild time because that, at that time, I mean, at that time as well in Brazil, Brazil was yeah. having, um, you know, economically and um, was just having an amazing time. It was sort of that moment where all the Brit countries were, you know, there's a lot of talk about that, yeah. very optimistic. Um, so there was a lot of growth happening everywhere. Um, LV uh, at that moment were rolling out Maison stores kind of worldwide and Sao Paulo was one of the first ones that was going to roll out. So, mm. yeah, really, really big, exciting time. And that was mm. that was incredible I mean I'm really imprinted by that experience um because when I when I I moved to Brazil with no plan my husband and I moved to Brazil with no plan (laughs) and so um I was connected it took a while to it took a while to to be connected with that opportunity and how it came about funny enough because I think you and I were just talking about it before but yeah LinkedIn was very new at that time really and Mm. I didn't you know new so new that I didn't know I didn't know what LinkedIn was and I had never kind of um had a profile or anything and my friend Katrina from from you know my buddy and from the business uh, I was chatting to her emailing her one day and I was like oh it's you know it's it's I I had spoken to a few recruiters in Brazil but it's kind of totally different yes different kettle of fish so I was like oh this is interesting I'm not sure how to go about and she's like why don't you put a why don't you make a profile on LinkedIn I'm like what's LinkedIn and she's like (laughs) let me show you so she showed you know send me the link, et cetera. So I did. And that's how that opportunity came to me because then I was contacted. And I think <sighs> I spoke that. English and that was, um, you know, English was obviously valued there. Um, and so that's how it all happened. So everything that happened, again, 
quite like the universe helping yeah, you. Yeah, so, absolutely. But, but when I started, it was um, just the planning, um, you know, when, even as part of my uh, interview process, et cetera, it was, it was the, at the stage where they were gearing up to yeah. staff up the Maison store. So I sort of yeah. got, um, was lucky to have the experience from the, the pre-stage to the, to the actual rollout, which was cool. To the launch and everything, yeah. Because I don't know if everyone listening would have visited a Louis Vuitton Maison, but they are like well they call them universes right like you have women's uh, universe and men's universe and you know even the ones obviously in London and Bond Street is is a huge one as well but they you know they are they're huge brands they have really um, extremely high expectations in terms of service standards and um, even how you present their product and how you present yourself and everything so yeah what were some of the key takeaways from working for such a, a luxurious brand well the first thing is that it was an all-in commitment and yes. to your point that you just made um, extremely high level of service and standards but also passion and opportunity Mm. so that all kind of comes together to really you know everyone was all in who was there and so that's quite you know energizing Mm. um I think they do an excellent job like the training and really the onboarding and I would say I'm going to use the term sort of an internal PR that they have Mm -hmm. to give you an in-depth sense of the brand legacy um the craftsmanship uh what the values are in the business that's really put there's a lot of emphasis on that at the beginning so you when you when you do sort of step into your role yes you're you're really immersed in that already and then mm. um, of course you carry that forward in everything you do and and then there's mm. like a quite a good alignment with everyone uh, how people interact because everyone's sort of working to the same um, yeah yeah to the same sort of level level of delivery and standard and and that's kind of um yeah just sort of inherent in in the culture there um you know it is high pressure so it's very clear there's a lot of clarity as to to what the expectations are but there's also a lot of um there's a lot of space which I was surprised about creative space if you like to a lot of entrepreneurial autonomy given to um to you so if you know here's here's what we're trying to do Mm -hmm. this is the team this is what you've got to work with what's the plan and then you come up with the plan and you carry out the plan and then um, if that plan was successful then that plan might be sort of applied across uh, other teams or different aspects of the business they were really interested in keeping the um ideas active yeah great so that was that was really cool um yeah look it was (laughs) it was it was pretty full force though you know like yeah it was my life for, for the period that I was there yeah. um and learned so much from from my colleagues as well because there was just um quite in that particular maison we had people from sort of like qu- quite a few different international um staff members I was the only mm-hmm. Australian, of course but um learning just from their experiences as well because quite often in the in at LV um, you know, it's it's not uncommon for someone, you know, from France to come and be and be assigned to work at that store, et cetera, or have yes. a transfer, et cetera. So you did have this amazing mix of people who brought all of their experience and intel um, to the fold as well, but also sort of that cultural nuance and, um, yes. yeah, the whole tapestry of it all. So my, my biggest yeah. takeaways were, were 
I would say planning. Yeah. Planning with agility though, because mm. that, that's important. That's, you know, that's just retail. Yes. Um, yeah. And just al- alignment is important. And also I would say that knowledge. Mm. So mm, absolutely. Knowledge, um, as much knowledge and depth as you can give and live and breathe, that that really propels things forward. That's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, there's so much partnership and, you know, obviously the prices are, are not inexpensive, you know, so you need to understand why why something costs as much as it does, right? So, um, yeah. The, on that note, and the, there's the, the craft and the, you know, the quality of the product and, and maybe some the technique, but also just mm. the anecdotal yeah Um, storytelling that goes with it you know as to why why is that that shape oh it came because it's there's always a story that connects it um yeah you're so right yeah Yeah, absolutely that's really that's really interesting and you you know it helps you paint a picture as well yeah I remember when I worked at Chanel we had to say Parisian pearls um when we were talking about you know the pearl necklaces we had to specifically say Parisian pearls um so you're so right that it is all about about that storytelling so you know just to impress everyone even more you moved to New York after Brazil (laughs) (laughs) you did you did um which is the fashion capital and you know obviously you did work for a a business that probably most people wouldn't be familiar with but it did it was another multi-brand is that right yeah it was a um, multi-brand store called Creatures of Comfort yes um and at that time well, so they originally had um, were based in LA and mm-hmm. had a boutique in LA, multi-brand boutique in LA. And then Jade, the the owner, um, moved to New York and opened a flagship in New York, so much a much bigger space in New York and had a bit more of an assortment in New York. But mm. also was developing an in-house line, um, Creatures of Comfort in-house line, so had a studio there as well. And that, all that development um, and production happened in New York. So the business then expanded to have... Uh, the multi-brand, but also then the own line and of which then went to wholesale and, and different facets. So, um, cool. yeah, that that's it was sort of a bit multifaceted in that way. But, yeah, really amazing time to be with that business to A, to be in New York and kind of doing retail back to sort of more of a, I would say, independent business, small business, big small businessy kind of model. Um, yeah. And really, yeah, really personality-led, I would say. So quite um, we had... At that time, too, I think the contemporary designer and maybe even more so for a slightly more in, indie contemporary designer mix was really strong. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and we had like a really awesome um, assortment and really interesting, you know, we would do activations and have events and um, it was, there was a freedom also to, to not be sort of stuck in one box or, or one um, kind of one profile. It was quite, yeah, uh, I say, yeah, it was very like dynamic. Very dynamic and yeah. um, but very organic as well. And really reading kind of what was happening in the city and um, you know, what the customer who the customers were and what the customers were up to and really creative. So and yeah. so that was a really rich experience. Lots of lots of um one of the great things I think about retail and one really what one thing that really st- stuck stuck with me about creatures was you know all of the all of the colleagues that you work with and for the most part there was a lot of folks I worked with who 
you, you know, worked part-time or casual because they were an artist or because they were starting their own line or because they were a dancer or because they were, you know, and in New York everyone's doing their, their three yeah. um, <laughs> side gigs as well. And so you got a real introduction also just through that ricochet. Yeah, nice. I've just connected to so much more stuff as well. And um, and they brought that, you know, a little bit of each of that experience, I think, to, to the role as well and it helped you see things in a different light often. It was cool. That's so cool. And how is it? Because obviously New York, London, even San Paolo is so different to Australia, right? So how did that landscape kind of differ? Well, very, you know, fast. Things move fast. Yes. Um, just a bigger scale, of course. Yeah. You mm. Also, like in New York, um, we were on Mulberry, the store was on Mulberry Street in um, sort of Soho, Little Italy down there. Yeah. And so in that zone, um you know, just the tourist factor as well, like that constant, constant flow of mm. um, tourists, even domestic, domestic or from or, from abro- or abroad rather. Yeah, um, that was impressive because I think, you know, at, at the sort of pace and capacity that New York has, that that was a constant, and that was quite yeah. interesting. Um, very f- more forthright, I think, mm. think, and but really positive. I found it like I love that energy of. Um, forward momentum everything's momentum you know and so I I think that helps yeah you know in some places that are more mellow I feel like I for me personally I have to sort of manifest that or like generate that myself but the city really generates that and the people for you which is great yeah that's um, cool. but, but just definitely more forthright it's extremely professional like there's lots tons of um I learned so much and I think quite uh a standard in I guess the innovation and kind of what's happening in the market because it's really sort of the place where the market's created, and so you're right yes. at the center of it. So you really yeah. pick up things in real time, and you're like, "Oh, this is actually this sort of generate you know was generated here or like close by here," and you can see how it sort of applies in a broader sense. That was yeah, that was I love cool. that, and how everything connects back, you know. Yeah, and it's quite a validated career choice, right? In in New York specific. Uh, particularly, um, you know, working in retail or high-end retail. And I think, you know, possibly, as I'm sure as well in Louis Vuitton, certainly when I lived in London, anyone who worked in luxury retail or high-end retail, like, is such a valid career choice. Yeah. Um, was that the same in New York? Yeah. It, it was. Um, it's interesting because it's kind of, there's a lot of, I think, how would you say, there's a lot of people who move in and out of it, but yeah. the people who are in it at the time, I think that they appreciate the experience and really like the tools that you're sort of adding to your toolkit and it could, because it does all accrue and apply to different um, whatever you do going forward. And mm. I know just from, you know, the staff that I worked with, um, working in retail and accruing some skills and the opportunities and the flex that you have to sort of, oh, I'm interested in doing a bit of e-com. Can I, can I learn that? And that that opportunity was, you know, always mm. basically. And, right. Um, so there's ways to really... Yeah, sort of tap into what you're really interested in doing, even if it's not sort of the end goal scenario, but you certainly helps you get there much closer, yeah. you know. Um, nice. Also, you meet a bunch of people, like you really are, um, you know, in the world because you're, you're mm. interacting with people and I think that that's, that's amazing. Mm, um, absolutely. But for Louis, yeah. for Louis Vuitton um, and in Brazil, definitely the, the retail, uh, working in retail was quite a, considered quite a, prestigious job in that in that it was very secure um you know the level of um professionalism and kind of the skill set was incredible in terms of in terms of of customer service and Mm -hmm. um, even just procedural stuff and I think 
you know, they were, they were like quite desirable jobs there. Yeah, absolutely. And so you obviously life brought you back to Australia and our listeners, if they're, you know, not familiar, you actually did get appointed at a role at INCU on your return. Yeah. How important was it to leverage those relationships? Like, because it would have been a huge, huge period of adapting when you came back to Australia. Um, how was that time for you? Well, that so so that all came about because whilst I was as, was still in New York, um, and I have known known um, the Inku guys for a while since my time with my business because we we're mm. sort of you know colleagues around at the same time. Um, and so we had been in touch, but really just intermittently. And I have a good friend who still works at Inku, who I would just come and see and have a beer with when I was back in Melbourne, et cetera. Um, and I knew through him that, wow, the business was growing a lot um, and, you know, just knew what was happening there. But basically they reached they reach out to me because um, of the opportunity that they had created in this role that, um, that I went to work with them for, which was to... Um, head up the mono brand side of the business. So, so basically looking after ABC and Rag and Bone. So they're sort of partner franchising, you know, yeah. stores. Um, and so because I was already in New York and kind of obviously had the gist of, um, you know, what was happening there and communication and whatnot, um, I think my name came up and they reached out to me. So I moved to Sydney um, and started working with them. But, yeah, it is interesting in that there's another thing about retail is that, you do meet so many people and and how circular it is and kind of it's a big small world because that, <laughs> yeah. that is really how that opportunity came up is that I wasn't, you know, I, I think, um yeah, so in that sense, yeah, it's important, you know, who, whoever you meet along the way. Um, yeah. Yeah, just to have good relationships and be yourself and um, give everything 100% because there's so many uh, opportunities that come from, from that down the track and you know they do go yeah. into or they, they come down the line but it all kind of does circle back I reckon yeah absolutely I totally agree with you it's it's so um so important to to handle yourself really carefully well, not, not carefully I guess just handle yourself with integrity and hold yourself to those same standards and the amount of people I have met in Australia who I knew in London or you know I was helping someone the other day with some coaching and they were looking at a brand an Australian brand that had launched in the UK and when I looked them up on LinkedIn I was like okay I know that person that person that person all from people that had been my candidates in London when I was recruiting and I was like you know it's just it's infinitely small you know it's just it's and I think people don't really appreciate how small it is um yeah. And that doesn't mean, and, you know, it's quite interesting. I had someone recently put down a reference for someone that they said they actually had quite a challenging relationship with them. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's actually quite um, quite interesting when people do that because I think, okay, well, obviously you still were able to handle yourself really constructively. So it doesn't always mean that you're going to be best friends with everyone. But, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I think you'll always do, do come into that. And you obviously had a really successful career in crew, but I did obviously um, you have faced redundancy in your career as well, which I know can be really traumatic experience for some people if it is, um, you know, not anticipated. And even if it is anticipated, mm. given the current climate, obviously, which, you know, we don't like to dwell on, but it is some people's reality. Like what advice would you have to let any of our listeners who need to bounce back from redundancy? Well, in, in my experience, um, I was, qu- 
quite bamboozled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was really not expecting it at all. Um, and so I think also working at a certain, you know, it's, it, things were busy and you're working um, at a certain pace. And so yeah. for, that to, uh, for that to stop abruptly is, is yeah. quite hard to really, um, yeah, to really sort of um, debrief, sort of wind back, step out of that slipstream and then just be still and reset. That in itself yeah. was quite a process. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember the concept of it, of, of a redundancy in that it, it is an abrupt end. It's not sort mm. of timeline you work to or, or whatnot. Yeah. That that was hard. Um, yeah. But it also wasn't, was an opportunity because it did make me, it did make me sort of have a look back at how I was working Mm. Um, in the sense you know really busy and just really cramming in more work into any gaps of time that I had and why you know why why was that and was that the most productive way and this is you know I'm sort of a believer this has happened for a reason so and I understood the business decision so I was I was good with that and I understood and there was no you know hard feelings there Mm. Um, yeah but look I think it's hard it's really hard and I I know just from colleagues you know um, I know a few people who have gone through it and it's always difficult because you're, you have a void, you know, your, your time's filled up with work, 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 and you're mm-hmm. plans and you've achieved this or you're looking to do that and you're not quite there yet. And then to have that um, sort of end is tough. So my, what I found was, yeah, first, you know, the acceptance that it has stopped. Mm, <laughs> and so yeah. therefore it's an opportunity to just kind of like have some still time, just try to decompress mm. Um take it take it bit by bit and yeah. really though once once you sort of are able to sort of shed that skin and just kind of reset a little bit is really just try and tune into just not overthink things go back to your sort of intuition what you like to do what you're curious about and mm-hmm. I think that, that's quite important I think um take any obligation out because you know with that abruptness comes the chatter and 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 sort of thoughts of like well I must do this or now yeah. I need to that I need to be productive because I can't just sit around and wait for something else to happen. You know, I need to do da, 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 da. <laughs> And actually the best thing that I found was when I could, I stopped that and let that go because that really wasn't, you know, bearing any fruit. Yeah. Um, like more chatter um, was to just chill and start, you know, I, I'm granted that everyone's in a different situation. So I was like, yeah. I had a little buffer there, so I knew how much time I could chill on. <laughs> in that time, I was able to go, I buffered it out even more. So I said, <laughs> within that time, I like cut it right down. So I got, this is how much time I can take to really just rediscover what, what I want to do next and just kind of make that decision as well. Because I realized, um, and I've been lucky to have things pop up in my path, you know, that interested yeah. me. So I went to that and that was good. And then let's keep going. And this was the first time also, it's like, well, what? what do you want to do now? Because you'll have to go after it. And yeah. so, yeah, just reconnecting back to what it was that made me excited, um, what I was curious about and getting getting a sense of stillness first to just get that clarity was mm. helpful for me. Um, being a bit productive too, like I did, um, you know, tried to, I'm interested in that stuff as well, like I tried to flex a bit of entrepreneurial. Um, yes. You know, but get that mind ticking back into, into gear, but in a very... Um, yeah, much kind of framework. So I, I had a project and I, yeah. you know, I'm still kind of working on this project, but I didn't give myself too many obligations to me on that project. Yeah, nice. But 
more uh, organically and said, oh, I feel like noodling into that today. So I can spend all day looking into that and not and just like not feel bad about it. Um, <laughs> once I did that, it's so funny because I've I've quite geared for, you know, I'm feeling in I'm feeling in the the blank time any blank time I have with something to do. Yeah, that's kind of sort of my nature. But when I did step when I did sort of really step into the still time and a little bit more of a no frame. Mm. Um, that's when everything started to connect back and that's when, you know, I met you and yeah. <laughs> when, um, this, this, you know, my next opportunity, which I am now, came about and it all felt yeah. right and ready and was the right time and I um, was ready because it took a yeah. while. It took a while to, to feel ready again yes. uh, to start exploring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, so, yeah, you are now the general manager of Vice Charlotte, um, amazing brand. And, you know, general manager, so you're essentially just reporting into Charlotte herself and, you know, the rest of the business is kind of all, you know, coming through you. Like, what are the key aspects of being a general manager? Because it is a pretty, um, you know, I suppose, for lack of a better word, generic title, isn't it? Like it doesn't necessarily allude to what you're doing. So what does a general manager do? What are the key aspects of your role? Well, basically, um, I how I look at it is uh, is that I sort of try and take the roadblocks out so the team can do what they're best at, mm. um, and so that means I have a bird's eye view on what's happening in the business across the different facets. Working mm. really closely with Charlotte, who's amazing, and um, everyone in that business is just so great. Uh, very collaborative. So, um, you know, it, on that note, we always have uh, more or less a roundtable chat. Um, so it's about, yeah, seeing, seeing what the, what it is we want to do, seeing kind of where the potential impact points might be, yeah. coordinating um, those who need to get together to sort of work it out and get the plan in motion and then really just trying to take any roadblocks out to, to get that plan, um, you know, actualised or achieved. Um, cool. Yeah, and there's a lot of, I would say there's a lot of, yeah, people interaction, communication, like trying to, to find better ways to communicate and more sort of efficient ways because we are so collaborative. Yeah. Um, and really, yeah, taking the essence, being in the essence of the business, and that really very much comes from Charlotte. Um, yeah. And really trying to carry that through and be true to that in all the aspects of everything that we do. So mm-hmm. then you sort of try and build a more intrinsic way of working. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm really lucky that, you know, this opportunity um, came my way and, um that I've had this opportunity because it is the first time I've, I've been in, in a GM position and yeah. I'm really grateful for the variety of the role because every day is completely different. Mm. Um, and having sort of, yeah, the sightline across all the different aspects of the business too because we have wholesale and retail and e-com. Um, yeah. That's amazing and also amazing because it's a, you know, it's a business that's grown organically and really mm. um, it's, a, it's a big, small business in that way and it still really much, very much feels like that, like the heartbeat mm. of the business. Um, mm. So you're really connected and you're really connected also to the customer, which is is so special, I think, that bond, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I hope that probably doesn't... Okay, it does randomly, it. But it's quite a no. generalist role. I haven't thought about, like, what you said is true, that, you know, if you say to someone, I want you to do, I'm a general manager... Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess because you can be a general manager of a store and you can be a general manager of, I don't know, any kind of industry. So I always think it's like it doesn't question. necessarily specify. 
but like a bit of a curly, curvy question that you weren't anticipating that you just kind of made me think of. So you mentioned that this is your first time of being a general manager or kind of operating at that senior level. Mm. Like, how did you feel going into that role? Like, was it a bit of like, you know, that imposter syndrome that everyone talks about or did you feel completely confident because you know for the our listeners like Lauren um works with my Charlotte and everyone knows Lauren who's listening and so we were just kind of chatting and she was saying I'm working on this role and I was like oh my gosh Kat you need to meet Kat um so for me it was like oh Kat there's no one better than Kat like she's so relevant for this role but and you know it was your first experience of a role that senior so how'd you feel yeah, shout out to Lauren too, by the way. Yeah, um, shout out to Lauren. Well, do you know what? I'm going to start with you guys because I also have never found or worked with a recruiter who really, really understood me, I felt. Yeah. And, you know, on, on, on the bullet points of the CV, you run through the sort of mechanics of that usually, mm. but there's not a real sense of what that means or how that translates and how that kind of, um, you know, it's it's... Yeah, I, I feel like that when I met yourself on Lauren, A, that you really did appreciate the the generalist experience I had and had, you know, some similar, like, cross some paths yeah. there as well. So I really felt connected um, that you guys saw things through my lens. And so yes. that helps a huge, a huge amount because yeah. then the opportunity came up. You know, I knew that you knew, you know, you had thought about me as the right fit and why that would all sort of pan out. So I I felt secure in that first off. And then when I met Charlotte, like the real kicker was when I, when I went to meet Charlotte and we, I just knew, you know, I just loved her and we got along so well. And just, it was a very organic conversation. There was Mm. nothing um, scary about it. I wasn't nervous. We just really hit it off and things flowed and we started just even to talk about, business generally in that in that setting which was the first the first meeting so yeah. I felt and I felt also that um you know it's a journey so mm. what was really great is that um I think we have a um we share the same outlook and that it's all a journey so it's okay if I don't know how to do something I'm going to say I don't know how to do that let's find out how to do that and we can yeah. figure it out or is there someone you know in the business who who can be the expert there um and so that was all okay and I think you know, so partly the culture that that Charlotte and the girls have set. Um, when I came in, I felt like, and and part of the aspect of the role that I really liked as well is I could see how I could be helpful. I think, yeah, like just just off the bat, which with with um, so and then that's just been nurtured. And you know, there are moments when I definitely have a new scenario come my way, and I think, oh, I don't know how to. Not sure how <laughs> But then I'm here. Or whoever I think you know can help me out in the room, and we just hash it out, and then we figure out the plan, and then um, yeah. So it's not it's yeah feeling that you're supported um, mm. in the thought process and in as much as the sort of outcome as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, love I that. appreciate from time to time. You know, like I sometimes I zoom out and I think, wow, this is a this is a this is a big job. But then as soon as I'm, you know, back on like in these days, back on the Zoom or like talking to someone, I just, it, that kind of steps back a bit. It comes. Oh, what yeah. do I need to do here? Let's just, let's go ahead and do it. So it's. I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. I feel like everyone's going to be super, super inspired by that. And yeah, I guess what advice do you have for someone wanting to kind of emulate your success? And do you think that it needs to be like a pathway through operations or, or wholesale or buying? Like. Mm. is there any aspects of your career that you think have really helped you in this current role that's a good question um I mean in my case because I've I've 
yeah, had a bit more of a generalist experience across, across you know, mm. retail and wholesale and ops. Um, I think the operational side, anything that can give you uh, more exposure to the, the, how it impacts the business as a whole, even, mm-hmm. if, even if it's one department, um, yeah. having that kind of understanding of like what you do here impacts over there and then, you know, how that ties into over here and what that means down the line. That, yeah. I think that's really helpful. But I would just say, you know, any, you know, starting from, from the shop floor is also great and foundational to, to the experience you're going to have going forward and to just give everything your best shot, be curious, um, mm. you know, be enthused, like find something that you really, or a place to work um, that you you feel really enthused about and just try and learn and put your hand up when there's things on the table, you know, if there's mm. opportunities for more learning. But yeah. I I think, um, yeah, I think any of the facets help, um, you know, lead, can lead and sort of be a new avenue into another facet and yeah. everything you learn uh, just kind of keeps accruing basically. But I, I do see it from the other side of the coin, so maybe a way to answer that is when I uh, am looking at CVs, I quite yeah. like a nonlinear path and if someone, you know, I can connect the dots and so if there's if there's even a little bit of experience in one area but we're looking for someone over here, it's sort of a bit more about how that person, uh, yeah, how, how that person navigates their role. Yeah, I love that. The role. Yeah. And, so they, and then when you get a chance to meet and talk, um, I think that yeah, you really see how doesn't really matter what you're doing in in the in the sense it's how you're doing it and, and yeah. what you can offer there. Yeah, um, that that is the thing that propelled you forward. Ah, a hundred percent. I so agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so it's so interesting because some of the best people that I've hired or placed into roles have been people that maybe on paper. Mm. Don't, don't look like the best fit or it looks a bit and I'm like oh it doesn't quite work or I'm not sure what's happened there but when, when I speak to them I think yeah like you get it and actually this um, slightly alternative experience from what I thought I would be wanting makes you an even better fit than than what I thought so yeah I, I love that. And so finally, just to wrap up, who has been the biggest influence in your career? I think you kind of touched on it earlier, so I wonder if it is obviously the two best friends, but who has been the biggest influence in your career? That is a great question. Well, I would say I'm going to cheat a little bit and say I do, I can definitely, like, you know, what pops into my mind is like a collage of um, people from all of those experiences that I've had. Yes. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to kick it back to my friend Matt who when I walked in on my first day my first retail job never done it before was <laughs> just a champion and really like went out of his way to teach me everything he knew and he was he he's yeah he's amazing and so if anything he really yeah taught me the ropes so I nice head off to Matt had a totally different experience yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, Kat, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely chatting with you. I know everyone's going to just love your um, your uh, show because obviously you've worked for such amazing brands um, and, yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. 
You just tuned in to another episode of Beyond the Shop Floor podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you got some great insight from today's podcast. Of course, I do work as a private career coach, a career strategist, and a recruitment expert to the fashion industry. But of course, anyone outside of that industry is welcome to join us as well. If you would like to connect with me personally about being a guest on Beyond the Shop Floor podcast or you would like to work with me in some capacity, you can email me at ange at thetalentmill.com.au and that's ange with an E or you can hang out with me on any of the social media platforms. Of course, we love a good little LinkedIn hang um, or you can find me on Instagram at thetalentmill AU or be on the Shop Floor podcast. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Thank you.